Episode of the Opvat Cast, and if you're wondering, yes, I am going to skin Sean Glennis alive and wear him like a coat. I'm Steve Cuff, and with me today is Adam Myros. Good evening, Steve. Stephen Coleman. Hi, Steve. It's good to have you back. It's you know what? It is good to have you back. How the fuck do you guys survive without me? And Sean Glennis. Speaking of skinned alive, I just babysat for a kid who almost skinned his toe off. Oh my god, you are you're the you're the most irresponsible man I have ever met in my entire life. This poor child, this poor little child, and Sean just is like, "Hey, why don't you go tap dance barefoot on that exposed radiator, you little shit?" And what do you think he did? He went and did it because he loved his uncle Sean, and he would do anything for him. And then his mom came home, and he was snoring on my lap because mm-hmm. you're because you're a goddamn monster, and it exhausted him. Uh, okay, so yeah, last week, guys, I wasn't there, or I guess it wasn't last week. Whatever you guys did a show last, how I, how did you survive without me? What was that like? Was it painful? Coleman took the reins. No, we had the lovely Matilda Knowles. That's right. Till Knowles is on, which I'm very disappointed because she's a time traveling Australian, and we don't really get that many of those. <laughs> She's also a woman, which I didn't know those existed in the world of optimism <laughs> vaccine. Wow. We got those out there? No, I'm kidding. Uh, we I got two now. Yeah, we got two. There's two. Well, I will say we missed your sparkling audio fidelity. Yeah, that's right, man. Fucking yeah. beautiful. Look at this. That's what I we bring to the Skype. table. We did miss Skype. I'm the steely Dan of podcasting. <laughs> But All it was right. wonderful to uh, to have Noel, uh, Miss Knowles on the uh, podcast, and uh, yeah, hopefully we could have her back again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, let's get down to business here. This is, I mean, this is our twenty fourth episode. This is big. This is, I mean, it's it's got to be the biggest episode of all time. Would you agree with that, well, Sean? Well, I don't know where it goes from here because I think this is the biggest number. It is 24. the biggest number. Twenty four is actually the biggest number. Doesn't get any bigger. <laughs> Holy it's, shit. Hey, you want to hear like something that, awful? It's like the number of Jews that Hitler killed. Exactly. Doesn't get any bigger than 24. <laughs> Sean, you you tipped me off to something atrocious today. So, you know, we're, we're kind of in this era now where it's more popular than ever to try and remake things and make a buck on something that already made a buck. Uh, unless, of course, we're talking about Gem and the Holograms, which... I didn't know that came out until I read a Forbes article that said it was a massive flop. Wait, wait, wait. Is it that, made literally that, a buck. Did, yeah. did made $24. Source? Did that have uh, – <laughs> so it made the most money possible. It made the most money um, possible. So is there a source for that that existed? Yeah, the animated series from the 80s. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, starring the Misfits. Yeah, yeah, and I really want to know, like seriously – how many people out there didn't know that the movie was actually out and in wide release until they read an article being like, ha, 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 it's a failure? Probably the same people that went, that went to go see Rock the Cashbar. Ooh. That's yeah, a, I, I, didn't know, I didn't know it was out until people kept referencing it, and I was like, why are you referencing some stupid movie that just came out? Because I didn't know that there was a source material. <laughs> you didn't know that there was an original Gem in the Holograms? I didn't know anything about Gem and the Holograms. As far as I knew, it was like uh, uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist 2. There's a a really shitty uh, television station that comes in over the air in Milwaukee if you have an antenna. And this is for people who don't have cable. And at like 10 p.m. until like 11 p.m., they played Denver the Last Dinosaur. And then after that, they played Gem and the Holograms. So 
So it's, really? Yeah, oh yeah, it's some good shit, man. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's like that station that that I think the station we used to watch in Bakersfield that uh, turned me on to Brave Star actually. Also, aha, there you go. Pound. See, paying dividends, man. Who needs I cable? I forgot Fuck all about Denver, shit. the last dinosaur. How could you forget about Denver? Bitch? Except for the theme song. Yeah, that's all that anyone. Anyway, you know what? <laughs> he's our friend and a whole lot more. Yeah, you're right. He's a whole lot more. He's a fucking dinosaur that plays guitar. God, like their friendship oh, is the biggest thing in his life. So, so what better way to talk about uh, uh, franchises that just to make a buck than uh, Suf John Stevens? Yeah, in the holidays. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, Suf John Stevens. Yeah, that's a franchise. Oh, that son of a bitch. Okay, so we, of course I had to mention that, but uh, if you remember, like, go back in your in your little way back machine and think about where you were ten years ago because you were probably in a place where that Suf John Stevens guy who put out like one record or something or two records at that point, two. and you're like, hey, that guy's not too bad. And then he was like, oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put out one record for every single state. Every single one. Okay, wow, that's that's so fucking twee of you. Um, it's also logistically impossible. But he was so ambitious, like, at the time, like, I mean, like, like him or hate him, he was ambitious, so people believed it. You yeah, know? people actually believed it. And how many states did he end up doing, Sean? Uh, let's see, uh, Indiana, or, yeah, Michigan, I mean, uh, and then after Michigan, he did Illinois, and then after Illinois, um, two. Two, two, he did two, so he got the two. Wow, he's only 48 off, that's, he was close, you know? He couldn't, he couldn't make a record about the gold rush and call it a day? <laughs> yeah, well, and, and so to commemorate his colossal failure, um, he's putting out a, a 10th anniversary vinyl edition, because that's what you gotta do now. If you made money 10 years ago, now you can make more by repressing it on 180-gram vinyl, ladies and gentlemen. But at least it's the good album, right? That one? Uh, no. I think, I think no. most people would say it is, it is his best album. Uh, currently, I am of the mind that there is no good album from him. But right. if you were going to choose one, it would probably be the Michigan record, I suppose. Yeah, if I was like Clockwork Orange to one of them. I would definitely pick Michigan. Yeah, or I guess... Or his uh, orchestral one about the BQE. Oh, well, there you go. That, too. If I, Yeah, yeah. But but if you had your eardrums taped open, um, I don't want to hear that John Wayne Gacy song, which I will go on record oh saying probably, probably the worst, the most embarrassing song I have ever heard. It's pretty weird. Uh, I don't listen to this jive stuff. My only uh, really knowledge of Soup John Stevens is his connection with Wes Anderson films, and that's about as far as it goes. What? Wait, what? Didn't they do something in Life Aquatic, I think? No, I think there's just an aesthetic resemblance, perhaps. Yeah, they're both twee as shit. I thought Soup John Stevens did something for Wes Anderson. I don't well, know, I think man. Life Aquatic came out around the same time as Illinois. So I think a lot of people were kind of like, this is my favorite movie and this is my favorite album. Come over. I would not come over. Yeah, that was me 10 years ago. Hey, I'm going to smell like B.O. and incense and play a song I wrote on my acoustic guitar. It was like in college, you know, when people would play like Dark Side and Wizard of Oz. They would queue it up at the same time. They did that, but with Life Aquatic. And that must be what happened to me. God damn it. Fucking assholes. Uh, actually, you know what? Those people are useful because you can bully them. We actually... Just, uh, they, when they ended, they just looked down and they were in corduroy suits. <laughs> when when Myros and I lived in, in Kalamazoo, we lived across the street from like this, this hippie commune house. 
and they had this this thing it was just like yeah like this is like a shared space like you can do whatever so one time i you started I played jerking these, off yeah i just jerked off all over the coffee table right into the coffee <laughs> that was on the table uh you want some cream? Heap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so I was I was playing in this in this band at the time, and we wanted to practice before um, we we played this show because we hadn't practiced in a couple weeks. We're like, oh shit, there's gonna be people here. So we just we literally walked into their house, went into their basement, and we're just like, we're gonna pick up your instruments and play them and practice, and then we left. And they just they didn't do anything. They were just like, oh, well, you know, if you could just let us know. Ahead of- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we got we to use these things. So the point is, if you know some smelly person who loves Sufjan Stevens, bully them. Oh, I know a smelly person who likes Sufjan Stevens. Oh, yeah? I'm not going to say their name over the air, though. <laughs> okay, I've got two points. Uh, point one, uh, this is officially the second straight op cast. We've talked about the house across the street from us in Kalamazoo. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> That's right. The did you talk about it on the last episode? Uh, yes, yes, we did. Oh, yes, we I didn't did. listen to it. How is that possible? Uh, yeah, they were talking, we were talking about, about communes or some shit. I don't know. Oh, you talked about the hippie <laughs> we were talking commune. talking about the movie Wanderlust, and uh, Till was talking about how she had relatives who live on a commune. Oh, and then I asked Myros, "Hey, do you have any experiences on communes? <laughs> do do we ever? For more, let's go back to episode twenty-three. Did you did you tell about the time that the hippie commune threw a kegger and we just went and drank all their beer and didn't pay for anything? <laughs> I I told him about some sort of like uh, LSA they were trying to pan off on us and and work out so well. Uh, okay, so uh, I love don't... how this has come up. This uh, this also shows that not only do I. Uh, I took a week off from the podcast, but I also did not listen to. And also, for any listener who listened to this one, but not the last one, that was the recap. So I guess you don't have to bother with listening to that one. Yeah, just don't listen. That's a new feature we're starting this week, (laughs) this episode. (laughs) This last week on the Hopfagcast. Also, note two, I went ahead and Googled Soup John Stevens and Wes Anderson to try and validate my uh, assertion. And uh, here's what comes up. Soup John Stevens has revealed he suffered a breakdown while watching Wes Anderson's (laughs) film Fantastic Mr. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. that Did he break down and cry when he saw the adorable stop motion animation? What? Yeah, it's that badger. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe we should postpone. Like, we need to dedicate, like, an entire op fat cast episode to this after we do some research why why did he 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 broke down do you have a poll quote or something here i'm not gonna click what a piece of shit (laughs) well that's it i mean you know what sometimes a lot of times people be like they'll defend bands that i don't like and i'll be like you know what you get a point you like them that's cool but from now on if anybody's just like oh yeah have you ever seen if you had an album i'll be like yeah did you hear he fucking broke down and cried during fantastic mr fox (laughs) i mean it's a pretty cute movie but i don't i don't know I don't know. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you think he was watching the Criterion Collection edition or was he in a theater? I think he was in a theater by himself. <laughs> by himself? It's the really? only way I can imagine it. And him standing up at the end of the credits. Just... I, I like to think that he he went in like a, a, a an old-timey like button-down shirt and some cut-off jean shorts that he made himself. And I'd like to think he was trying to impress a girl. And he was wearing glitter on his face and angel wings, and he just rented out the whole theater by himself, and uh, then he just, he just okay. sat there and cried. This is, this is going to make me angry if we don't move on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's something that'll make you smile. You guys watched the uh, new Mr. Show yet? That's not Mr. Show with Bob and David? Yeah, yeah. I watched all 24 episodes. All 24, huh? That's, I mean, that's a lot of episodes. 
You didn't, you didn't watch the fifth bonus episode? I didn't. They kept referring to, to it in uh, uh, press stuff as like, uh, yeah, you might you might get something from it. I mean, it's not technically an episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I meant to watch it, but then I just I, I didn't. I stopped at four and was like, I'll get back to that. And then I you watched it, it though, Steve. Yeah, 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 I did. Oh, and well, I which would one? Say, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Hey, Tough. which Steve is talking here? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead, Coleman. Um, I did watch it, but I would recommend anybody who hasn't watched anything of with Bob and David. It might be more advantageous to watch that documentary before you watch the series. Ah, oh, shoot. If anything, just to give you more context. But otherwise, I don't know. It's it's fine, but it's not like um, there's nothing groundbreaking about it. It's like you already knew they were together because you just watched four episodes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say my my experience with it was it is fine, and it kind of does. It reminds me of like when old bands get back together and just kind of play some of the old hits. Like it's still cool, but it's not what it was twenty years ago because that's basically what it is. I mean, it's the exact same cast. The sketches and, and the style is it's very similar, and now I was they're all just old as shit. Back. Yeah, it was nice seeing it. And some people look really old. Like some people look better than others, but holy shit, some some of them look incredibly old. Bob has aged quite well. Who's that guy? Oh shit, he's got like the wavy curly hair kind of. Uh, John Ennis. Yeah, that guy looks old as shit. He looks like yeah, he looks like a young stoner back in the Mister Show days, and now he just looks like uh, well, he looks like the well, he is the guy in the uh, Valley Forge commercials. Hey, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's like who's an old timey dude. Who's the Mount Everest guy? The tall dude. Uh, Jay Johnson. Yeah, a friend of mine said that she thought he he had gotten more attractive. Oh, it's like a fine wine. Well, I think mm-hmm. most people would probably the same, say the same of David Cross. He was quite an unwieldy individual in his younger days. So, <laughs> so he's been true. kind of a twerp looking yeah. wise. Yeah, he, when he was rocking the beard and whatnot, he kind of he pulled it off a little better than when he was 20. Anyway, and yeah. and like thus concludes Mr. Show, <laughs> hot or not. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, when, when I was one thing that I really love about Mr. Show, and I kind of forgot this until I, I started watching with Bob and David, and I, it's the fact that I love the way that they always have like a big narrative thread, and they find ways to like have the sketches sort of flow into each other and call back to one another. So it's not like an SNL or something where each sketch is completely isolated. If, mm-hmm. if you've never seen yeah. this, if you're listening right now, everything is sort of loosely tied together in this this really nice, smart way, and they've kind of continued with that. Yeah, and but <clears throat> I guess um, a point of contention, or I guess it wasn't con- contention, but um, David said that he he fought um, to decrease the amount of uh, tie, like sketch ties. Um, to one another, um, just because it's just, it just makes for so much work. Like when they did it for oh, every yeah. single sketch back um, in the first four seasons, they would just be like sitting around for like two hours, just being like, "This is not worth it." Just to like tie it. So, so that that's why you know it's a, a bit looser this time. Mm-hmm. One it, thing it I know they did looser. differently with this series, and they talk about it in the documentary, is they. Um, once they finished all the sketches and decided on the running order, they would actually film a tag for like the first, for like the intro. They'd do like they do like a cold open for every episode, and that cold open would always be 
referenced somewhere later on the show to kind of give it that loose narrative. So that was something that I thought was pretty interesting yeah. to find out and something that it definitely sets it apart from uh, the uh, Mr. Show series. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is not only is it a little bit looser and stuff, too, but it's it's also – it feels a lot more intimate and, and a lot smaller than Mr. Show was. Not to say that Mr. Show was like a big production at any point, but with Bob and David, it's noticeably smaller and sort of scaled back with a few minor exceptions. Uh, like, for instance, when they did uh, Better Roots, I think that was one of the more higher production <laughs> – things which if if you're wondering what that is um let's just say that there's a a scene where uh, a slave master gives a slave a note that says you get one free hug today <laughs> i also like the fact that it's just called better roots yeah just better roots <laughs> <laughs> which is and, and it was great too because uh, my, my right when it came out my friend josh texted me and he's just like oh my god have you have you watched with bob and david yet and i'm like yeah and we started talking about better roots because we had to watch Roots in high school, and we always talked about how, uh, you know, the, the the better version of Roots would be the one that's like, you know, like twenty minutes long or something like that, like the Roots like montage supercut, because it's it takes like ten hours, and it's also the laziest teaching thing in the entire world. If you ever watch Roots in school, I guarantee you had the exact same experience as me, where someone popped in a shitty VHS tape and then just left the room, and then you continued that for two weeks. <laughs> Did you guys, did you guys have it. to watch Roots in, in high school? Yeah. No, no. Oh, Jesus. Uh, no, we watched Shoa. What? Did you? No. Really? No. No. no, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. We watched Amistad. I had to have a yeah. oh, God, parental you get consent form for that. Parental consent for what? Steven yeah. Spielberg's boat Yeah, movie. we watched Amistad and uh, The Color Purple. Uh, Steven Spielberg on Racism 101. Oh, God. Yeah, we did Color Purple, too. That's all right. Wait, you did the sequel? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Color Purple too. Back in the habit. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so one thing I'll say about the uh, with Bob and David in comparison to Mister Show, I mean Mister Show definitely had this issue too. But one thing that disappointed me a little bit about with Bob and David, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull it together here. Get it together, uh, Coleman. <laughs> they're like i was really happy especially because like one of the first things you see in the new series is uh jill tally is back which i didn't even know she was going to be part of the uh of the cast but a lot of the uh women cast members are very underutilized and maybe that had more to do with timing and availability but um i was a little disappointed that they didn't seem to use all well even i'd say most of the cast members but especially people like jill tally like as far as like they didn't you utilize them to their full potential for this go around. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. Um, I wonder why Saver, or, I'm, I'm, I wonder why Sarah Silverman didn't come back. I'm sure probably that was just availability, maybe because mm-hmm. I was half expecting to see her. I was half expecting to see Jack Black come on and go doobity bow. Oh yeah. Point. You got to imagine it had to be like a really tight recording window. I mean, even some of the people you, who did show up, like Ackerman's there, but he's just like cursory appearance yeah on on his on his uh program he did a double um episode last week with uh like the first half was with bob and the second half was with david and um they talked about the process quite a bit and um they said the nice thing about this time was uh in the first 
series, Mr. Show, everybody was sort of like, they weren't stars yet, or, or not that they're like stars, but you know, they, they hadn't really like carved a niche yet. They were in the midst of doing that. And, and each like person was worried about like their sketch getting on and, uh, doing what Bob and David liked. And this time it was much, it was a much more relaxed, um, sort of behind the scenes thing. And it was just sort of like, if it doesn't get on, that's completely fine. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could definitely see that. That, that makes a lot of sense. And the other thing is too, didn't it get renewed for a second season? Is that true? Well, David said that, uh, he said that he's sure that they're going to do more, but there's, there's no sort of timeline because Bob is like crazy. Like, you know, uh, as Scott Ackerman calls it, I Cal Sal, um, (laughs) who checks his I Cal all the time. Um, uh, he's like doing like press stuff and then shooting for that, so that they have to work around that. But it's not like imminent. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just figured like I think all because this was clearly successful for them, um, and they are going to do more. It seems like a lot of the people that we didn't see this time around. It seems like they'll probably bring them on for the the second season. Also, yes. Steve Coleman, you might know the answer to this. Where did they shoot this? Because it looks like it was shot in the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater or something. Like, it's, like, really yeah, tiny. Actually, yeah, it was. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. And the other reason why that makes sense is because I noticed in the first episode... Uh, Myros, do you remember when we went to that, that talk show thing in L.A. at the Upright Citizens uh, Brigade Theater? Yeah, the birthday boys thing. Uh <laughs> What's going on with Mike Mitchell? Yeah, yeah. So, the, like, the entire cast of What's Going On with Mike Mitchell is just, like, standing in the background of the first episode. Uh, yeah, them, uh, Mike Mitchell's in uh, another episode, too. It's, be, well, it's oh. because Odenkirk uh, produced the Birthday Boys uh, series oh. on IFC. I did not know that. Well, there yep, we go. He's, Which... he's featured in almost every sketch in the first season of that show. Yeah. That makes perfect sense, then. All right. Although, Chris, now we won't have any more birthday boys on TV, at least. Wait, why? Yeah. No, it got it canceled. canceled. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Very quietly. One of, my, one of my favorite uh, parts of the series, which we should definitely talk about just in terms of like extra textual meaning, is um, when the birthday boys were on it as uh, nerds. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Coleman, do you want to sort of like uh, lead up to that? Well, it's something where like um, the entire premise. I think this is episode two of, with Bob and David, where uh, they say, "Hey, if you die, you get seventy-two virgins." And at the end of the episode, <laughs> or if you say, "If you say Mohammed, you'll." I forget exactly how they did it, but uh, so at the end of the episode, Bob and David say Mohammed. And seventy-two it's like Candyman, you, yeah. If you say it three oh, times, yeah, if you say it or like Beetlejuice or whatever, seventy-two virgins will appear. So they all appear, and it's—I mean, just seventy-two of painting with a bit of a broad stroke, but just like seventy-two nerds at like a Comic Con kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And they're all standing around Bob and David, asking them questions like, "Do you guys still talk to each other? When are you going to do more Mister Show?" <laughs> yeah, it's very like wish fulfillment stuff. Yeah. It, that, that uh, and I was kind of awesome. like, I almost like initially I was kind of like taken aback because I was kind of like, oh man, like do they hate their audience <laughs> because they're really giving it to them there? Well, um, I, think but, it, I think it's like I think it passes as like uh, I guess like digestible for even like those those folks or you know, us folks. <laughs> I don't know where the line yeah. is drawn, but um, because they did another series, like I feel like they can do. Th- I feel like they can like. 
outright make fun of these people or like poke fun at them because it's like hey we actually did come through and deliver like a whole new series that we never were like we didn't have to do this um mm-hmm. yeah so i feel like it was sort of like hey we threw you a bone but we're gonna make fun of you in this one little sketch that's actually pretty funny plus i, yeah. I think it's i think it's safe to say too if you've ever watched a comic-con panel or like any convention panel the q a session is just absolutely insufferable it's it's always like there's three things that can happen one someone steps up to the microphone and instead of asking a question just says a statement and then you're just like okay what what that what, what the fuck was that uh two they ask a question that clearly has been asked of the panelists like a million times and they don't want to answer it but they have to anyways or three they ask them a question that's so fucking obscure that the person doesn't even know. They're like, so, uh, you know, Baba, uh, on episode uh, three of uh, season two of Mr. Show, you're wearing pink underpants, and I was just wondering, blah, 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 like, how the fuck does he know? He doesn't fucking know. <laughs> just because you watch the DVD and jerk off to it 20 times a day, like, that, I mean, not that many people do that. So I, I think it's fair to kind of poke fun at people. I'm at least for, 25. Yeah, exactly, right? No, 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 I think it's only 24, right? Yeah, 24. That's that's the biggest number. <laughs> see, yeah, see, I feel like it's kind of impossible not to harbor some level of animosity towards that segment of fandom. Like, again, if you're talking about that, like, especially a phenomenon of, like, this beloved show that's old and people keep thinking might come back for whatever. Like, imagine being David Duchovny when they're reviving the X-Files. Like, I just blow my head clean off, for yeah, God's sake. That would not be pleasant. Or imagine being David Duchovny and, and, and still doing Californication. <laughs> Yeah, that well, half the questions probably involved Mulder at some point, and it's, it's got to get insufferable. Yeah, that's that's not that's not great. Poor David Duchovny. <laughs> I like the things that he did after the X Files, though. Like, oh, you he, mean you mean like that dumb movie where he had like autism with his wife Taya Leone? Yeah, he he did his autism movie, and he um he was a voice in a video game that was kind of weird and shitty. So that those are Isn't some things he- that he did. Return to Me, which I think was Carol O'Connor's final appearance on film. Oh, wow. See? Important. The, David Duchovny. Yeah. Master thespian. <laughs> uh, well, can we talk a little bit, before we move beyond the Mr. Show here, I was thinking, let's let's take a couple steps backwards. When we talk about Mr. Show, we talk about how groundbreaking it was and how people still love it. And, you know, if you ask people what's the best sketch comedy show of all time, blah, blah, blah. Mr. Show Kids is... Kids in the Hall. Kids in the Hall, yeah, yeah probably. That's, that's, yeah, that's the correct answer. answer. That's the correct answer. That's what I'm looking for. But uh, Mr. Show is always in that conversation. But what what I want to know is because Myros watches too much shit and Steve Coleman, is, uh, he's a comedy expert of sorts... What sort of things influenced Mr. Show and that sort of style of sketch comedy? Like, what do you, what do you, when you watch Mr. Show, what do you think of that came out before that? Uh, well, the, Monty the, Python immediately, obviously, just with the linking of the sketches. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Myros, go ahead. Oh, no, that's that's a good place to start. I wasn't going to go so far back as that. I was just looking more immediately. Like, for show prep on this, I wanted to watch the new series, and... Uh, trying to kind of get a little bit of background on where these people came from and, and where the roots were. And it's Better really roots. interesting to look at. It. And you, you see a show that the most obvious parallel is, uh, the early nineties, uh, Fox show, uh, the Ben Stiller show, which not only kind of launched Ben Stiller as a movie star, despite failing and, and you can see so much of his future work in there, like a reality bites and the cable guy. Definitely. The Fockers. 
Uh, yeah, that, that came right, right from the brain of Ben Stiller. Uh, More Fockers? <laughs> heavyweights? Along came Polly? You can see a lot of heavyweights, too. I, a lot of yeah, you actually have? can. Yeah, right, there's yeah, like an actual a... character from that series. And uh, Starsky and Hutch, there's a very famous scene in that movie that uh, is clearly originated in the... Is there any cable guy there? Yeah, the show's very obsessed with like kind of dropping in these obscure '70s television stars. That's that's kind of their running gag, if you will. Like their guest stars will just be like nobodies from who haven't been on television in twenty years. And <laughs> that's Tammy actually Bonaduce. Yeah, they and yeah, Scotty from Star Trek, and uh, <laughs> I think like Todd Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> That actually sounds really funny. So is is the Ben Stiller show, is it good? Should I watch this? Uh, definitely. It's really good. If yeah. you like Mr. Show, it's it's really informative, and you can see kind of the development, all, all these ideas that kind of developed into Mr. Show and into Tim and Eric and all that sort of stuff. You can really see the kernel of it in, in the Ben Stiller show, and it's, it's very short. I think there's like 10 episodes, and uh, yeah, definitely. Seek it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Odin Kirk is in it, Cross is in it for like the last few episodes. That's actually where they got together in the first place. Huh. So if, in th- if literally, if you didn't have Ben Stiller's show, you wouldn't have Mr. Show with Bob and David or just with Bob and David. Huh. Um, obviously, it highly influenced that, but I mean, they were heavily involved in that show as well, too. Was, so. was Jack Black in the Ben Stiller show? I think it was – no, he, that was just before I think he sort of got discovered. Okay. Um, I was trying I to think, think if he might have been in a role, but I don't. I don't recall him being on it at all. I think it was a little too soon. Is I think Just, Ben Stiller yeah, shows like ninety two, ninety three. Probably was because he was so young in Mister Show. But I was just wondering because he's in Cable Guy. Yeah, that's what he right. Is. Yeah. Hmm. I think Monty Python's a really good point too, which I didn't really think about before. But I mean, obviously, you know. Monty Python's a lot more fucking like goofy British shit, but mm-hmm. not for obvious and, you know, reasons. Like, I wanted to the, say, oh, go ahead. Well, one of the deeper cut uh, sketch shows that um, maybe you guys didn't even think of, but uh, Saturday Night Live was this show in, um, <laughs> on NBC. Uh, what and, what uh, is that? Tell me about Howard this Coast Saturday Saturday Night Live. And Eddie Mur- Eddie Eddie uh, Murphy played uh, uh, this character that I think really influenced him, where he would hide behind the the couch and uh, dodge bullets. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yeah, Mr. Robertson's neighborhood clearly informed uh, Odin Kirk's iconic Ben Stiller sketch, Kill Doug Schlashke. <laughs> I oh, would like... definitely say that uh, SCTV is a very big influence on Mr. Show as well. Or maybe not, oh, yeah. it's not as obvious, but um, I think there's a lot of like the same thing with like the linking of the sketches and just the way they sort of skewered pop culture. I mean, it's a very different era, but sort of has that same spirit to it, for lack of a better word. With a little bit of so, Canadian gumption in there. If we're talking about sort of like how, uh, what Mr. Show grew out of, um, we're talking about sort of like the beginning. How did each of you guys find Mr. Show? Because I found I, I came about it in a really weird way where um, my my brother, who's four years older than me, for like somehow got tipped onto it. And I, I think he was just like, recording it on VHSs um, when we had like free HBO weekends and I would watch it because he would tell me it was funny and just be like, I am not old enough to be watching this right now. 
Um, <laughs> and like it would it, between the Cochrane sketches and um, the commercials on HBO in between <laughs> sketches <laughs> at uh, 12 o'clock. Yeah, for me, it was, um, and I talk a little bit about this in the thing that I wrote two weeks ago, but it, I was in, I think, elementary school and partway through middle school and it was on. And I grew up, my, we did have HBO, but like I still had like a. You bougie motherfucker. <laughs> no, oh my but, God. Uh, did you go to bed with a silver spoon in your mouth, you son of a bitch? <laughs> silver spoon in my mouth and, uh, yeah. I was going to say something else. Yeah. Uh, the, um, but yeah, I, my exposure to it was like it was always a curiosity to me because I would see promos for it during the day, and how then I would try to, to like. Hmm? How did you ever go to if you had HBO in middle school? How did you ever go to bed? Well, I had a parentally enforced bedtime. <laughs> the set oh, did you, but did you have a TV in your room? Well, I did, but I didn't. The cable didn't go up to my bedroom. Oh, okay, so, that's, that's, um, yeah, that would make a big difference. So if I ever wanted to watch it, I have to like sneak downstairs at night. Usually it was like if I was lucky enough to be up past a certain time on like a Friday or Saturday night, it would maybe be on. I remember it used to be preempted by like HBO's like sex, real sex documentaries all the time. Yeah, real sex. That's a good show. <laughs> Which that was a, another here. weird thing to see when you're like 12 or 13. <laughs> but uh, – <laughs> And I just – I wouldn't be able to watch entire episodes, but I I specifically remember seeing the Titanica sketch where uh, they have – but David Cross plays the fan that dips himself into this whole vat of acid up to his neck. And he just <laughs> looks like a weird like sausage-limbed kind of guy uh, and cracking up at that. Um, and I still think that sketch is very funny, but um, seeing that and megaphone crooners and then always having that show in the back of my mind then finally when i got to college it came out on dvd and then me and a few other people on my floor in my dorm would get together and watch it we actually saw them live they did like a mr show tour in the early mid 2000s oh yeah i remember that Uh, like hooray for america or something like that and it was bob david and brian posein and i think there was another like there's a stand-up comedian I don't remember her name, but she was with them too. Um, and that was Lisa Lampanelli. Really... Yeah, it was Lisa Lampanelli. Uh, she just roasted the crowd for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Oh God! She threatened to have sex with everybody. Uh, <laughs> when yeah. the DVDs came out, I I definitely remember going to Best Buy like that the week that each one of them came out and going to get them because I was just like I don't like I didn't have an encyclopedic knowledge, but I was like I know that this is something great. Yeah, I actually I think I bought mine from Best Buy too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what when I my first exposure to it was I saw like gifts from Mister Show sketches that would show up on like message boards and stuff, and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I figured out it was Mr. Show. And then I was like, okay. And then the first season when it came out on DVD, I just bought it at Best Buy. Like I just blind bought it. And then I watched it and was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I kind of became a fan from there. So thank you, Internet Message Boards in 2005 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it starts with like, it, I, I mean, I think it gets better as it goes on the series. But like it starts really strong, I thought. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we get into that, Myros, how, uh, what about you? 
Uh, I don't have a real thrilling story. So that's something I grew up on. I kind of came at it like in a backwards way. Uh, probably around the same time Cuff did, uh, that, that sort of 04, 05 range. But it was more like, you know, I was familiar with David Cross or stand up and some of his TV work. And, you know, I, I guess the show I kind of stumbled on earlier, uh, was, uh, the Odenkirk produced, uh, Tenacious D complete masterworks thing that, I, I had kind of seen in Fleeting on HBO and, and sought out and really enjoyed and but I, I didn't understand the roots of it, you know. And you know Is that I, another one that HBO has disowned? I don't I have no idea. Good question. It's not uh, in the catalog. But yeah, it's uh I Mr. Show was just like kind of a late to life thing. I was just I I might even watch Steve's D V D Cappy, who knows? <laughs> You never know. Wait, wait. So you had HBO growing up too? Uh not growing up. I, I had it. Uh, I think my parents decided to spend money around the time I was about thirteen or somewhere. Oh, there. bougie motherfucker! That's when you're super <laughs> spoon cake. How about you, Sean? Do you have HBO? Uh, no. We, like I said, we would have. We had cable, uh-huh, but uh-huh. Uh, we didn't have the movie channels for a lot of reasons. Probably, I mean, the money, but also because your family uh, was too busy investing in those ostrich feather pillows, right? And my trust fund. And your um, fucking trust fund. No. Uh, <laughs> no, but I think that was more of a parental thing. But we would go wild around the house when there was a free Showtime or free HBO weekend. Oh, and yeah. just free HBO weekends were the best. Roll out the tapes. He would he would tape over whatever, like, my birth to, to, to tape back in the habit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, it just you are referring like, to Sister Act too, are you not? It, yeah, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what like was on. It was like just like a thing. I think it just like a ritual. Like, my, hey, we get this free movie weekend. Let's just tape everything. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I, I, go go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like the days when uh, they switched over to digital cable, it became an easy sell to dads across the land. To, when cable boxes ceased being this like odd push button on top thing to get to the channels, and became this like the easiest box. thing to pirate ever. Yeah, all of a sudden, uh, when they became a digital cable, then the cable company would just like call you up, and if you had enough money, you'd just be like, I don't fucking care, and just fucking install it. And they're like, yeah, HBO, free for a year. And you're like, Yeah, okay, the whole thing whatever. is so nebulous. It's like, yeah, it's just whoever you talk to can tell you one thing or the other. Uh, but uh, going back to, to what I was saying about like um, how the series starts off really strong, um, I recently watched the first two seasons um, in, in anticipation of with bob and david and i expected it to sort of like lead into uh something better like you know once the second season started but um i love that it starts with talk backwards for into in into day um <laughs> which which i think is like super like i guess potent politically or socially like today like um with you know like do this Today, do the do, whatever. Like you're doing this for a good cause, uh, no matter how arbitrary it is. Like I don't know. I was surprised to see something that potent. Um, I guess pre Facebook. Although I well, guess like there is like that Seinfeld like not wearing the peak career. Hey, I got a question about that actually. So I noticed on Facebook, uh, everybody changed their profile picture so it looks like a Pepsi can. What's up with that? <laughs> well, well, the Pepsi, Pepsi shortage. Oh, what's the Pepsi shortage? That's it. Okay. 
I thought I said something that started with a P or something. It must have been Pepsi. You remember, don't you remember when when uh, during the sriracha uh, shortage when everybody changed their Facebook photo to the to the rooster? Oh yeah, yeah. I do remember similar, that similar event. That's good solidarity for my sriracha <laughs> brothers and sisters. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know uh, what? If you didn't change your profile picture, fuck you. By the way, right? Just like Kramer in the pink ribbon. The real question is though, when you change your profile picture. Whether it's for, you know, whatever cause, whatever cause Facebook decides is important enough to create a filter that you can add to your profile picture. Well, like they had that one about for Skittles last year. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Skittles one. Yeah, yeah. So they had the Skittles one, the Pepsi one. So whatever food they choose that's important for whatever <laughs> event. Um, when do you, okay, so when you turn it on, it's on. But how long do you keep it? Well, that's a yeah. new feature that you can just set it up for <laughs> temporary. Yeah, it's like it's like oh, okay, yeah, because before it was like okay, well, it's it's over whenever you want, but now you can be like, ah, I'm going to support Skittles and Pepsi for two weeks. Well, <laughs> it's like in the when I was in grade school or uh, I guess uh, middle school, like you had, I remember distinctly like having to call in, um, like there was a hotline to vote for the newest uh, M and M's color. I voted blue and I won. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you had to like, actually you. pick up the phone to do it, and now you can just change your your Facebook profile and then like vote right on Facebook for your color. So I think like it's on there until the voting is over. So like the Skittles is all, is obviously over. Yeah. Um, but, I love uh, how you put it as you won. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I was the Kevin Costner swing vote, but uh, I was part of it. I, th- I, th- um, I think it must have been you. Had to be you. But uh, yeah, Everybody so now they're doing the new Coke thing. Now they're doing the new Coke thing, and then that that'll run its course, and then it's it's just sort of like whenever this voting um, ends, I guess. And then they declare the winner, and then we get to vote for something else. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Then. I I understand Facebook now. Thank you. Thank so, you. See, I prefer Coke, so I think I'm gonna have to get a filter of my own on. That yeah, thing. we should. Okay, yeah, we should do that. I'm not really big on Pepsi. Per- not big on Pepsi. Yeah. Maybe you should do the crystal crystal Coke. Um, the the crystal Coke filter. Is that is that? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess I could say I have a crystal Pepsi filter on I mean, right I've now. I've got that employed already. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, we got a little off course there. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Show sketches. It's Mr. Show sketches. Hey, we're bringing it back around. Well, we talked a little bit about what influenced Mr. Show. Mr. Show is old as shit at this point because it ran what in the late nineties into like early ninety four to ninety eight. Yeah. Yeah. 95, 98, 96, 90. Not that long. Only a couple years. Um, so I mean, it's a total of four discs. It is a total of four discs. Ran, wait, it, no, no. Maybe it's six. six. It ran six. for six discs. So since then, I mean, it's been like 20 years almost. What, what are these... What's the lasting legacy of Mr. Show, basically? Like, what do you see in newer sketch comedy today? Because usually this kind of, like, retro nostalgia cycle goes in, in like, 20-year increments. So Mr. Show is right on point for that. So the people that they influenced have now gone on to create more things. So oh, who has yeah. been influenced heavily by Mr. Def- Show? Well, definitely, Tim and Eric, for sure. Yeah, def- definitely Tim and Eric. I think that's um, probably one of the the... The, the best answers, but um, you mentioned Upright Citizens Brigade earlier, and I, I think that's definitely one of them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and if you if you talk about Tim and Eric, like, look at what they're doing with their production company now and who they're influencing, you know, like, you've got well, Nathan for you and Review and all that stuff is under that absolutely banner. Well, they yeah. even produced with Bob and David, right. which is like a right. 
crazy how that goes for full circle because they were originally produced by Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> that's yeah, that's super bizarre. What about like, did anybody watch the whitest kids you know enough to 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 speak to this? I remember mm. watching their videos on the internet, but I never actually watched their show. I never was a fan. I think. I mean, I could see maybe Mr. Show influencing it in that these guys wanted to create a funny sketch comedy show and maybe try to take chances. But I feel like their um, brand of being kind of like controversial was just too much like, oh, look at what we're doing. Aren't we naughty kind of thing instead of being very clever and subtle about it. The only thing I remember about them is they had that one sketch uh, where I think it's the one where like Abraham Lincoln gets shot or something and Abraham Lincoln's like yelling in the middle of Ford's theater, but that's that's all I remember. That's that's mm-hmm. it. I just remember the slow jerk, which was pretty solid. And then there was one other one too, where there's like a deer, like a guy's hunting a deer, and the deer is actually a, a man, and he like stands up and talks to him or something. That's that's all I got. That's all I got. I never I never watched. I mean, it. it's a very off-putting name for a, a sketch group, yeah. especially because it's, it's you, uh, like letter U. Birth- with- <laughs> Birthday Boys is a big one. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, which and, is also that same banner. Uh, absolutely think- produced. Yeah, if you go to any like comedy show, whether it's sketch comedy or even just like Adult Swim type, you know, fifteen minute shows and sitcoms, like if you look at like the list of producers or the list of writers, a lot of that, a lot of that group comes from that Mister Show crew. Mm-hmm. So a lot of a lot of them wound up getting work outside of Mister Show, and I think based off the strength of the quality of that show. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and it's it's funny. So like um, thinking about Mad TV, that was obviously like more of an offshoot of Saturday Night Live. Um, uh, so I, I guess I like sort of compartmentalize these different um, tier or not tiers. Definitely, uh, I guess that's not the best way to put it, but just like different channels of sketch shows is that Mr. Show feels like very insulated. Like, although it was like in front of a live audience partially, um, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it it, until like you actually see the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, uh, shows like, uh, sketch shows like, um, Mad TV and Saturday Night Live, like really feel like, um, they, they just have a different flow to them. That's obviously like in front of a live audience. Oh, sure, sure. Well, and I think with those shows, too, Saturday Night Live especially and Mad TV to a lesser extent, uh, not only would you see the flubs and stuff, but you would see them kind of interacting with the audience. Like, they would be conscious of the audience. Whereas Mr. Show, there's an audience there, but the audience never really directly influences the sketches or what's going on or, or how the you know the actors are doing what they're doing. Well, yeah. Odenkirk's even responsible for some of the influence on Saturday Night Live through the 90s, considering he actually worked there Oh, and created Matt Foley and a couple other sketches. But yeah, he was like one of the head writers of the show from the late 80s to the early 90s. Hey, huh. so is uh, Minnesota Senator Al Franken. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cast I member. Think- He's one of the originals. That's right. Mr. Show benefits from and and ones that followed it uh, benefit from not having to, or I guess having a smaller audience, um, not having to like sort of cater to the lowest common denominator humor. Not to denigrate Saturday Night Live too much, but too often in Saturday Night Live, it's like you know the joke that's coming. Um, mm-hmm. But Mr. Show is much more about subversion and satire i think than saturday night live yeah well and they they had the benefit that a lot of shows have now since you know, I mean, obviously netflix has gotten into showmaking and hbo and showtime and those stations have only gotten bigger and expanded their uh, 
in-house television productions. But because they were on HBO, because they were on late night, they could really do whatever the fuck they wanted. Whereas Saturday Night Live, yeah, it's late at night, but you're still kind of broadcast. Yeah, it's broadcast. You you have certain rules that you have to follow. There's big ad money behind what you're doing, so there's certain things you can't touch. So you have an Donald Trump host. Oh God, (laughs) fuck that, Jesus. Well, and then and then next week, uh, talk about how sad you are about national tragedies. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like. Uh, ben Stiller show was HBO produced, but it aired on network television. And, and again, it's just you sort of see that they really enjoyed their new home on the HBO Prime because they actually could kind of cut loose and do whatever the fuck they wanted for that show. And mm-hmm. it, it's interesting how they do a lot of the same things as Saturday Night Live. Like they'll do sitcom parodies or, or product ad parodies, but they just have this sort of like sickness to them. <laughs> just this weird bent that separates it from. The stuff you forget about five minutes after you watch it on SNL. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I think Mr. Show also benefits from having a small canon. Um, like you can just sort of like point back at like a, um, a sketch here or there, whereas Saturday Night Live is just expansive and recurring right. sketches and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's too much to take on. And SNL, think- because of the rotating cast and everything, like there's just there's so many different eras in there that it's, yeah, it's a pain. I think another thing that, that is worth pointing out is how expansive their influence has been. I mean, when you consider the format we're working in right now, the podcast uh, is a huge format for old comedy now and is basically... Ackerman's kind of the driving force behind that, and he got his start with with Mr. Show as well. So yeah, uh, taint your wagon. Um, so do we want to? <laughs> do we want to get? Even. Do or yeah, sorry yeah, or yeah, both yeah, taint my, yeah. Anyway, so do we want to get into like sketches or specific reasons like why we lo- uh, you know less than comparisons, but more about like why why it succeeded so much, why like it caught like so much like cult fame. Sure, sure. I, I think. Yeah, you guys just want to maybe we could each talk about one sketch real quick before we uh, we move forward here. Wait, wait, wait. Of the old or the new? Uh, I think we should talk old first. Yeah, let's. Well, I mean, old or new, I guess. Just pick one. Oh boy, you choose. Ooh. You choose. There's so many. It's, uh, I think somebody wrote an article on that, didn't they? Yeah, that's, that's my exempt. <laughs> I don't think I can. I, I, just read your article out loud if you could, Steve. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good format for a podcast. Write something on the yeah. internet. Wait a couple weeks and then read it. Say let's uh, let's, let's what sticks out uh, to each of us from from the old stuff, and then what sticks out from the new stuff. Well, I'm gonna start because uh, nobody was talking and Sean was sighing heavily. <laughs> <sighs> I always felt, and, and this is uh, a big controversial opinion, I, I love the stuff that Mr. Show did, both the new one and the old one, where it was sort of like the more scripted, pre-recorded stuff, the things that weren't done in front of an audience. Just uh, like Saturday Night Live with digital. Yeah, yeah. I, I always felt like that kind of stuff where they had the opportunity to really flesh things out and kind of up the production value a little bit, that's where the show really shined. Uh, and I also loved the closing segments. Um, in fact, the only thing I can think of in recent memory that has ever rivaled their closing segments is like maybe like the John Oliver show last week tonight. He always has a good closing segment, but that's like a totally different animal. But uh, my favorite Mr. Show thing of all time is uh, Indomitable Spirit, which is this like <laughs> this fake diversity like rock and roll group. 
and you know there's like a guy with like no arms and legs he's just like a head and he's playing keyboard and uh <laughs> then the best part is like this is the big joke at the end is sarah silverman's just playing drums and like they're all like just announcing like you know i don't have legs i'm this i'm that and then they get to sarah silverman she's playing drums she just goes i'm a woman and then they just go right <laughs> it's just it's so funny but again like super subversive for the time and and they were able to like you know deal with social issues in a really cool and interesting way and just so goddamn funny so that's what i love about mr shell sean tell me what you love oh, other boy. than me okay my beautiful um, body pressed well, against one of the yours. ones that that really sticks out i mean like the first one that i that kind of like got me on to mr show is the audition but that one's like much talked about um not that this one isn't, but the story of Mount Everest, um, I think is just what sort of like knocked me off my rocker. Like every time I watched it where, um, what's his name? What's the actor's name again, Steve? Uh, Jay Johnson. Yeah. He, um, he's, he's coming back from, uh, climbing Mount Everest and it's like the forties or the fifties or something. And he's telling his parents about it and they have this, this like amazing, like thimble collection and he He's like telling the story and he keeps knocking it over and then they pick it up and then he knocks it over again, like doing the same scene. And um, it's just so, so it's like the definition of like alt comedy. Like it really liked forged, I mean, not the sketch, but the show. And this is sort of the microcosm way um, they forged like this idea in part of what alt comedy was like how far do you take a joke or like take it further and until it gets to a certain point and and then it's like do we stop now or do we keep going and and it just was like the perfect example of like when uh, when when a sketch like knew exactly how far to go and when not to stop i guess um <clears throat> but uh i think that's what i love in general about mr show is is taking taking a joke to the next level, like I mentioned Saturday Night Live, like sort of it's like lowest common denominator humor sometimes too often, but Mr. Show, um, one of the newest sketches that, that I really appreciated was, um, was the, the kid who saw heaven yeah. <laughs> sketch, um, which was a straight parody of, uh, heaven is real. The Greg Kinnear movie based on the book, heaven is real or, or heaven is for real. Um, where the 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 boy uh apparently like saw heaven and then um uh, but basically it's just like a marketing ploy for a mega church um that was machinated by the preacher um and in that sketch like that that's funny in itself like that they have this boy who's like talking about how he saw heaven and he's on a talk talk show host with his parents and and then he starts talking about things that aren't like in the confirmation bias of the Christian community at large, like who's in heaven, like Hitler. And, um, <laughs> then the parents start like talking like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. we didn't write, we didn't write this part. Um, this is not, this is not, I, are you sure you were in heaven? And, but, but this, it's this whole idea that they're like, we didn't write this part. Like they keep saying that. And then they start scooting away from their own son. <laughs> and it's like what you come to expect from Mr. Show or maybe take for granted even where like they, they go deeper into like this confluence of like not just like basic humor but also like satirical and um i don't know sometimes just dumb but satirical at the same point but that that sketch i think is 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 
pretty great like where it's like the christian community is like admitting to themselves like yeah we know this this was made up but it it says what we want it to say <laughs> yeah that one's really fucking good i forgot about that you just made me smile sean <laughs> god bless you you're warm oh, no. when you fucking watch it yesterday you forgot it already no I will say, uh, and then I'll shut up, that the best sketch of the new one was the Chopped parody, which I was bawling. I was, like, <laughs> just crying, like, laughing so hard. <laughs> Myros, how about you? What do you got? Well, I didn't watch the old series for this. I mean, it's been a long time. I'd have a hard time pinpointing anything specific on the old one. I mean, uh, on the new one, what really struck me is how much I love the, the closing episode and the way it weaved in this, like, fictional brother of David Cross into this uh, <laughs> mom's sketch. It just, it, it just went on and on the whole episode. <laughs> they were uh, chanting Seinfeld Star Wars and his mother was disappointed in <laughs> him and left. <laughs> it, was, it was just it, – it encapsulated what worked so well for me about this series is that, again, it just – it will pound a joke into the ground, and it will take it in strange, bizarre places, and I love it. Yeah, that Seinfeld one is really, really interesting because you like you again. Like it's what I was saying is like you know that that on its face is funny, but you know that they haven't stopped yet, and that it's going to go somewhere else. Right. And you really got the sense that they were going on with this Seinfeld Star Wars off camera for an obscene <laughs> amount of time for a lot of. How about you, Steve Coleman? What do you got? Uh, well, I'll start with the original Mr. Show, and I'm speaking of going over the article I did for Optimism Vaccine. Yeah, pimp your um, shit, really, man. Uh, yeah, I'll pimp, I'll pimp my shit. Uh, uh, Academy for the Underrated, six other Mr. Show sketches. Uh, one of the sketches I talk about on there is called uh, Recruiters, which is from Season 2, Episode 5. And for me, it's another one of those sketches they didn't do in the studio, but it just, I think, something that they don't get a lot of credit for is actually how good of, like, filmmakers they were and how they were able to, like, just the art direction was so good on Mr. Show, even though they didn't always have, like, the best budget. Mm -hmm. And Recruiters specifically is sort of the satire of, like, Hoop Dreams. And Bob and David each play these aging basketball recruiters who are going to like <laughs> elementary schools and preschools to recruit prospects for their respective schools. And I think like uh, David Cross's character comes from a pretty prestigious university and Bob Odenkirk's character is like this like second tier tech school <laughs> and just them going around trying to recruit this like four year old kid and they sign him to a contract and <laughs> Um, it's just something they get the beats down perfectly and it comes off very naturally everything from just like the way they talk and the way they interject their own speech sometimes like when mm -hmm. David Cross comes to the house he's like I come bearing gifts here's a t-shirt here's some potato soup oh I feel like Santa Claus here here's some stickers <laughs> and it's just something that's so natural about that like I don't know if they were just watching a lot of documentaries or they just know those characters so well and even like the, the one of the last shots in that recruiter sketch like it begins with a uh, jerry minor playing the father of this young three or four year old kid they recruit and he even 
they start the scene with him asking the camera if it's rolling. And to me, that's like a really subtle touch, but like it just really gives it like a very good documentary feel. Um, hmm. So I've always been a huge fan of that sketch. It might be my personal favorite sketch. I'm not going to go and say it's the best sketch they've ever done, but uh, I always find myself going back to recruiters. Um, and it's really easy to find that on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Um, from the new series. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, as far as you were talking about, like the beats that they got right, um, and how like just like all the little touches made it what it was. Uh, they talk now, especially Scott Ackerman, about how Run Ronnie Run failed, and it was specifically like because of like the editing and the little things that like you don't pick up on as a viewer that they just nailed during the sketches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not a big yeah. Run Ronnie Run fan. I gotta say. Yeah, I know they they aren't either. <laughs> uh, from the new series from with Bob and David, it's really hard because I mean a lot of it's still really new and it's still sinking in. I enjoyed it very much, but right now the sketch that's sticking in my head, I would have maybe gone with the Heaven is Totes for Reels sketch. Um, but I really like that Einstein poster sketch because <laughs> yeah. it's just like the perfect. The thing for them to kind of they've always like ridiculed like that like <laughs> douchey college culture and this is just like so beautifully done yeah. <laughs> just imagining like an einstein trying to stick his tongue out and he can't do it he, he spends all this time figuring out how he can do it and the fact that he's introduced to sticking his tongue out by a flapper even though it's like the 1940s um I don't know, like everything just, I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and maybe it's because David Cross does a really good Einstein. They have a knack for turning like what's on paper is like really stupid into like something like that nobody else would ever think that would even be funny. Mm-hmm. Like the follow-up sketch to that where they write a musical based on the yes. fine print on a, a dry cleaning receipt. It's like the most <laughs> nonsensical <laughs> thing imaginable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They talk about both of these, the uh, the Einstein in the Room one on, on the latest, or last week's Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, another thing that I was going to say is, like, the acting that doesn't get talked about enough, but um, from the beginning, like, one of the first episodes of the Mr. Show series um, is, like, the Do You Have Change for a Dollar sketch, um, <laughs> and it's it's, like... It's just Bob and David going back and forth, but playing like a bunch of different characters. And they just do a really good job of making it feel like a larger world that we're in. You know, it doesn't feel like we're just watching like a two man show. Definitely. Uh, I think we, we pretty much, I think we covered pretty much everything. Is, is there anything else we want to say here? Mr. Show is great. Have you watched Mr. Show? If you're listening, if you haven't watched Mr. Show, what are you doing with your life? Go watch Mr. Show. Go watch the documentary. Go watch with Bob and David. Read that book that they came out with that's probably out of print now. Uh, what's that called? What Happened? Is uh, that what it's called? What Happened. Yeah, What yeah. Happened. That's a good book. You can read that. I'll scan a copy for you. If you buy can it from it. some virgin on eBay. That's what you can do. Find find a virginal Comic Con man and uh, buy it from him. That's our audience that we're insulting right now. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and put over what we're putting over this week. Sean, what are you putting over? 
Uh, I am putting over uh, Nathan for You's last episode, uh, which was called last episode uh, ever or last episode of no, this season. No, it's or? the most recent one. I ah. can't remember what number it was, but it's called Smoking Aloud. I think well, that's actually um, not the last episode at, the, at this juncture. But sorry, know. I'm so it's like sorry. Two, it's two called, weeks ago. Jesus Christ, Sean. <laughs> Uh, it's called Smoking Aloud, and uh, you will know exactly. I, yeah, anyway, that's all you need to know. Um, but it is uh, one of the best episodes of television I can ever remember watching. Like, it's just brilliant. Um, I, don't start there. If you haven't watched Nathan Few, like, blaze through all whatever, like, 15, 20 amazing episodes. Yeah, watch um, watch the Starbucks episode. That'll that'll that's probably a good place yeah, to start. But like this this sort of like capitalates on like this arc that he's been building and it's like it's like a funny it's he's working on a different level than I think most people in television. It's like watching this Bergman movie that's funny. Uh it's very <laughs> very odd. It, 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 have you guys all watched this episode? Yeah, I, I have I not seen it. I'm way behind on that show. I got to watch more. Holy oh, cow! Yeah. yeah, this this is just something else. Like this is something that you don't get to see on TV or anywhere really that often. Nice. I, I will say he's not overselling it. It's it's a very remarkable episode of television. All right, Myros, how about you? What are you putting over? Ah, boy, I didn't put any thought into this. No, uh, I'm going to story of your life, uh, right? Yeah, I was going to put over uh, the leftovers <laughs> for giving uh, giving the oh. audience the old. The old bird, they flipped it pretty hard the last two weeks. So, yeah, they make this show about uh, faith and loss and grief and recovery. And uh, then all of a sudden it's about like a magic Negro taking you into some sort of purgatory and fighting your way out. What and dreams uh, may come? It, it's it's kind of like <laughs> that. I hate it just as much as that pretty much. So oh, Yeah, I, I want to put over uh, watching that just to get, you know, some therapy out. And it's It's a very emotional roller coaster yeah I, this this is not in the spirit of uh putting something over you don't put over something you hate no I, i'm putting it over because it's uh <laughs> it's enriching you know i don't hate it it's i just kind of hate the last two episodes but yeah. okay fair enough uh steve coleman what are you putting over um i'm gonna put over a song um and this is basically for everybody who's been uh, distracted by Adele and her emotional hello for the last month. Uh, there's a song out there that's way more emotional and way better. Um, it's the uh, recent single from Blood Orange called Sandra's Smile. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sweetest Thing by U2. No, no. that's uh, We're going to do a whole episode on that uh, for episode 25, I believe. Um, that's, but that's, uh, Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's his latest single. I don't know if he's, I believe he's working on a full length album, but it's, uh, I mean, other than just being like a really good song, uh, I've been listening to it on repeat for uh, probably like almost two, up to two weeks now. Um, there's a pretty, uh, there's some pretty powerful messages in it and, uh, I don't want to give it much away. Just uh, listen to it and then, uh, go read about it. Did his house burn down? Yeah, his house burned down. This that was about two years ago, I think. Yeah. Um, but this is like about. Yeah, if you um, haven't listened to that, if you haven't listened to that last Blood Orange album, that's also a place to start because it's phenomenal. No, it's really good. I remember because yeah. I, uh, I I I started listening to that album and I was like, oh, this is really good. So I googled them and it's just like, hey, six hours ago his house burned down. I was like, oh shit, that what? sucks. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. 
Uh, uh, well, the song specifically, uh, Sandra Smiles about Sandra Bland, and there's actually some lyrics from uh, Trayvon Martin's mother. Oh, gee. so uh, it's pretty pretty heavy stuff, but it's I mean it's important, but it's gorgeous at the same time. Hmm. Good Listen stuff. to it. Uh, well, guess what I'm putting over. Star Wars: The Force Awakens. This, yeah, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Did you know there's a trailer for the for a Star Wars movie? I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Uh, no, I'm putting Wait, over a game. Is- Star Star Wars, Star Wars. You know they got the the Starship Enterprise to boldly go. People go. Yeah, I know, right? Right? George Lucas, he's cool. He made Red Tails. He's the guy who's famous for Red Tails. Woo. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Red Tails and American Graffiti. I'm more of a THX 1138 guy. Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, no, I'm putting over a game called Emily is Away, and it's uh, it's another one of these games where it's it's almost like a desktop simulator. I mentioned this is a while ago, months ago, but I mentioned a game called uh, Her Story, which was you're sort of a police detective and you're working through all these files on this old like 90s Windows computer and you have to go through and watch clips and things like that. So Emily's Away is it's basically a simulation of a Windows XP desktop circa 2002, 2003. Oh, so there's no tiles? No tiles, no. Uh, none of that Windows hate garbage. But, so you have the, the Windows XP desktop, but the, the main meat of the game is basically AOL Instant Messenger. So you're having this conversation with this person over AIM, and it mimics it perfectly. Like, there's there's a really great trailer. You can watch the trailer for the game on YouTube, and it looks like you're it's, it's just someone's AOL Instant Messenger conversation. But anyways, so it's this text-based adventure, and you go through the story by IMing this girl back and forth, and... Uh, I, I don't want to give too much away, but it's it's free. It's a free game. You can get it from Itch.io or you can get it from Steam, uh, $0, and it'll even run on your piece of shit computer. Oh, I can't say that about Myros anymore. Myros ah, a nice computer, ah, son of a bitch. Um, it'll run on Steve Coleman's cracked-ass MacBook with the busted screen. And he was criticizing my put-over. He puts over some game about fucking instant messaging simulator. It's really ah, good. So it's really good. Ma- it's I'm compelling. putting over a masterful troll job. Uh, uh, listen, listen. I'm, I'm just I'm putting over a uh, free piece of art that uh, pushes the narrative form in video games, and you're putting over an episode of a television show that you don't like. <laughs> is this unfriended, the video this, game? It's unfriended, the video game. That's what it is. And the, the spo- spoiler alert, the movie ends when someone poops their pants and then turns into a murder ghost. Yeah, there's a blunder hand too. Probably. There's, there's definitely a blunder hand. I can't get over that. Goddamn, unfriended is about a ghost that pooped her pants. Yeah, spoiler there. Yeah, just <laughs> in case you're wondering, spoiler alert: the ghost pooped her pants. All right, well that's gonna do it. If you guys like what you're listening to, or even if you don't, please go to iTunes, like our podcast, subscribe to our podcast, and this is the most important thing. This is very important, so listen very closely. The only way that our podcast audience can expand, the only way we get more visibility, the only way we can bring you more wonderful optimism vaccine things is if you rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Look us up. Now, when you, when you rate and review, you got you to do the stars. You do the star thing. You can give us five if you want. That's a good number of stars. Uh, and, but you have to actually write a review because that's, that's how we get people to find us. So write, just write a sentence. Be like, I like Steve. I think Maros is a pile of shit. Sean's okay. You could say that. That's something you could say. Oh, that's what we hear on a daily basis. Most of the time, yeah. yeah that's that's usually reviewing. Yeah. Reviewing it always reminds me of that scene in in Walk the Line where he's like, "If you got one song, one song to tell the world what you think, it's like if you got 
one review. One, one review. review to tell the world. But, but but instead of the world, it's the OpVac crew. So Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, you could be like, oh, they ramble too much, and the end of their podcast is stretching out because Steve won't stop talking. <laughs> that's a thing you could do. Anyways, please review our shit. Uh, also, you can you can follow us on we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Steve Cuff. Sean, you're what are you? M R G L I N I S. That's that's you sound really excited about giving away your Twitter information. Uh, Steve, who, uh, I got Steve a lot Coleman. of followers. It's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, you you're the triple digits now. Coleman, what's your what's your uh, name on Twitter? It's at Colemania. It that is, is K O H L M A N I A. And you can Just also like follow us at Optimism Vaccine. That's the official account. Myros doesn't have a Twitter account because the year is 2007. You can add him on MySpace and Friendster. Um, <laughs> I have an AIM account. So you you do have an AIM account. Uh, is, is it Miroshima? Is that it? Or is it Myrosity? Uh, Myrosity. We can talk instead of uh, buying some game and pretending to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there, you could you could hop on AIM. You could talk to Adam Myros and Smarter Child. Literally, the only two people left <laughs> on AIM. Uh, other than that, yeah, just check out Optimus of Actually, We got all kinds of wonderful, wonderful new articles coming out for you. Uh, Steve Coleman actually has a Mister Show article that's fantastic. You should read it. Sean just published an article about record stores and beer and being old. You can read all of these things. Go to Optimus of Vaccine, and we will be back eventually. Steve Coleman, final word is yours. It's been a real soul-shattering experience. Mm-hmm.